You know, crypto represents just 0.3% of the average household's net worth. 0.3%, that's it. My house is a little different than that. Imagine your <laughs> household is a little different. Bankless Nation, happy fourth and final week of May. David, what time is it? Oh, Ryan, it's the Friday Bankless Weekly Roll-Up Time, where we cover the entire week in crypto, which is always an ambitious endeavor, yet we persevere nonetheless as we go into this build market that we are going into. Uh, we're going to talk about all the shenanigans that went down in the last seven days. I like that, man. It's not it's not the bear market, it's the build market, right? And that, yeah, that's, that's our right. mantra, is, is build the dip. We're not going to... Mm. You're not mm -hmm. going to buy the dip. Well, you should do that too. But first, let's build our way out of this thing. That's what mm -hmm. we're doing. David, it's good to see you back, man. But this is our last recording from your uh, studio apartment in uh, in San in San Diego, right? Yeah, yeah. This is going to be the last time you're going to see this background. Uh, the for I'm going to be like kind of uh, figuring it out for the next three weeks because my stuff is going to take time to get to Brooklyn. Uh, yeah. But in three weeks' time, there's going to be a nice shiny brick apartment in Brooklyn somewhere. Uh, okay. So new background, new background. My my background changes. Ryan's uh, Ryan's never changes. Mine stays the same, <laughs> stays the same. and <laughs> it will be here for the next five years of Pankless. <laughs> I guarantee you. All right. Well, what are we getting into this week? Uh, topics of the week. Number one, GameStop is releasing a wallet. That's a big deal. That's the a really big deal. Mm -hmm. on our side we're, we're gonna take a peek at that what else are we covering david uh we got luna relaunching we got luna round two we uh unironically now have luna classic and new luna uh so that is getting spun up under new management uh joe doquan's troubles continue so we're gonna update you on that also optimism token updates uh, uh warning it's good for holders uh and then of course uh ryan you want to take this one DeFi going to court what's going on here yeah, DeFi, it's, it's a court case that we covered a while ago. Frivolous lawsuit, someone taking the pool together protocol to court, but the community is fighting back, and now there's a way to mint your protest. I've minted mine. We'll talk about uh, uh, poolies and, uh, and what we're trying to do in the DeFi community to get some funds to guard against that frivolous lawsuit. Last thing, David, this uh, feels like a bear market, but... That's the thing with crypto. There's always a bull market somewhere. Where's the bull market this week? The ENS numbers right now are absolutely insane. So we got the uh, April and May numbers in from the ENS DAO about all the ENS metrics. So we're going to go and cover all of those because uh, ENS is in a bull market at the moment. Guys, every Friday, this comes at you. So if you're on YouTube, make sure you like and subscribe right now. Just do that right now. Mm -hmm. If you're listening to this podcast on Apple or Spotify, leave us, leave us a five-star review, okay? That's how we pump this thing to the top of the charts. And, it's how we uh, get out of the of the bear market. Oh, is that how? That's how. Because Five -star reviews? more people listen to Bankless, more people like buy the dip, more people build the dip, and all of a sudden we have a bull market on our hands. So five-star reviews strongly correlates to bull markets, happens every time, works like a charm. There you go. Review the dip as well. Subscribe <laughs> through the dip. Uh, we also got something to tell you from our friends at Alchemix. Very cool. All right. Speaking of tokenomics, let's uh, <laughs> let's let's take a look at the Bitcoin token economics. Bitcoin price. What's that telling us, David? I'm going to share my screen here. Bitcoin price. It's down. Uh, it lost $700 in the last week. We started at $33,000. We are to $29,400-ish. Uh, so overall down 2% on the week. Um, that's what a bear market looks like. Just 2%? That's like a good week in the bear market because ETH, ETH is down harder, ETH right? Down, ETH is like down on bad. Seven day? Yeah, last, lost 7% in the last seven days. Uh, that's 1% a day for the math whizzes out there. Uh, started at $2,000. <laughs> we are currently at $1,840. Uh, dippity, dipping the dipper dipper on this one. Uh, so yeah. Dippity dip. Dippity And of ETH, course. ETH Bitcoin ratio. That's also, where we suffered, right? Also down bad. Yeah, down 6%. Um, 
yeah, my ETH Bitcoin long uh, long position is not feeling good because I opened it right at the top, <laughs> right over there. Did you really? Uh, not uh, the most recent spike. So yeah, keep going a little bit to the right, like right. Uh, I can't really show you on the on on the right here. Uh, yeah, well, it was at point like point seven something. Uh, anyways, anyways, you got, you got to stop betting on these ratios, my friend. Yeah. Just go long on the asset you love. Like, do you remember? I'm not gonna bring it up. Now nah, I'm gonna bring it up. The DeFi ETH ratio. <laughs> <laughs> What's that going? Oh God! Yeah. Well, I Real. mean, yeah. There's there's no more DPI uh, left in me uh, on that one. <laughs> <laughs> the ratios will kill you in this market, but yeah. So I mean, people are more bullish Bitcoin than they are Ether in this particular week. Um, that's kind of funny going into the merge, but is it sort of a flight to safety? Is everyone freaking out and like, hey, Bitcoin is still the traditional safe asset, so we're going over there? Uh, it is, uh, who the hell knows, uh, the ETH ratio is inherently hard to trade on the short time frames. I'm just bullish on the fundamentals flipping in Ether's favor with the merge in August, which is what was said by both Preston Van Loon and Justin Drake on our panel and, and permissionless. Merge in August time where all of a sudden Ether gets $30 million a day increased net buy pressure. Uh, and so like, how can you not be bullish? What, what probability do you give that merge in August? So, so by the way, it's not just David and I saying this, not mm -hmm. David and I saying this. It, this is um, Preston Van Loon at Permissionless last week and also Justin Drake saying that it was very likely that the merge would happen in August. I'm paraphrasing a little bit, right. but all the, like, the, the stars are aligned. Mm -hmm. Also said there was a great deal incentive for this to happen um, before, before block fee, block fees increase, uh, what's it called? What am I thinking of David block fee increase? Oh, uh, uh, was, uh, ice age, ice age, ice age. Yeah. yeah. Difficulty, age bomb. Kicks in. yeah. Difficulty bomb kicks in. So it feels like it, it's, you know, I don't know what, what, what percentage would you sign? I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with 80% probability that happens in August. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, I mean, I was going to say like 90% by the end of September, just to include a couple weeks of, of uh, lead time. Being said, there needs to be no bugs discovered. So under a condition of no bugs discovered, we are like 90% likely gonna, that we're going to be a post-merge Ethereum by the end of September. Agreed. That's going to be a big deal, but it's likely going to happen during a bear market and we'll yeah. see how the market reacts. Yeah, but how much did we lose on the crypto market cap? Uh, uh, $40 billion dollars in total crypto market cap lost uh, in the last week, um, which, you know, it's just like small change, I guess. Yeah, it could be worse. Luna. Could just be a Luna. Just a Luna. <laughs> One Luna down. Uh, all right. Well, let's get into some news, man. We're going to divide this because it's, you know, bear market season. Let's let's talk about the bear market news first, then we'll get into the good news. But let's bad news first. So mm -hmm. bear market news. Uh, this is just general macro markets. But have you seen ARK innovation lately? Remember, we had Kathy right. Wood on the podcast not less than a year ago, and uh, things are pretty good at ARK still. That has completely reversed. Look at these charts. Arc down David. bad. ARK down yeah. bad. Very sad. Uh, so, OK, ARK is they were up. Let me see. No. 750% since October yes. for, uh, 2014. Since uh, their that's inception. A, that's a lot of that's a lot of percent. Okay. So they were up 750% and now they're only up 112% and mm -hmm. they're actually underperforming the Nasdaq by a lot. QQQ is in this chart by yeah. a lot at this point. Mm -hmm. So if you just had held Nasdaq versus Arc this point in time, you would have been up more than double. 2 2x, yeah. Oof. Oof. That's pretty brutal. That's pretty well, brutal. What do you think's going on here? 
Well, I mean, it makes sense if you if you take everything together, right? Like the whole idea about Arc is that it prices in the future. Uh, Kathy Wood is saying like there is so much growth that the market is not pricing in right now. We got uh, growth in crypto and blockchain. We got growth in electric vehicles, like battery technology, biotechnology, uh, and people are mispricing how much future growth is coming in the short term. And so Arc is based on the future, uh, which is crazy to think about. Like, oh, investing is about the future? Weird. Um, but that's that's what the Arc real brand is. Is, is like so much of, of typical investing is about just pricing in historical uh, history, uh, like historical patterns. But Kathy Wood is taking the counter trade of generally uh, well-accepted investing and pricing in future growth, which just makes sense to me. But also when the Fed injects a bunch of money into the market, it allows the whole market to price in the future. Uh, when, when interest rates are cheap, you allow people to look into the future and invest and speculate. Uh, and so ARC goes up 750%. Uh, and then the inflation happens. And then we inc uh, increase the interest rates to tell people to stop looking for the future and start saving your dollars now. Uh, and so then ARC dies and goes down from 750% to 112%. So like this all just makes sense. Um, other than I, yeah. you're not saying that future is more pessimistic suddenly overnight. You're just no. saying like the the expectations or the market reaction right. to that future, right? The right. liquidity is kind of dried up, and right. so yep. the cash flow potential of the future mm -hmm. just looks much right. more pessimistic and dim. Right, and this is why we're calling it the build market, right? Same thing applies to crypto. Like crypto's future has never been brighter. Like the amount of building going on right now is insane. Yet prices don't reflect that. Prices are down bad because of monetary policy and the interest rates and all that stuff. So um, it's not that you're wrong. It's that the Fed doesn't like it. <laughs> Welcome to the build market. This yeah. is the new reality. I think we're all embracing <laughs> OpenSea new reality. A seven day. This is a chart of seven day average. Mm -hmm. They're back to uh, December twenty twenty one levels, mm -hmm. and I think continuing to drop. So NFT market pretty bearish here too. Um, let's switch it up though. There's been some good news here. Mm -hmm. Okay, here's the one I want to start with. Uniswap just hit one trillion dollars in lifetime trading volume. David. I remember not number. too long ago, okay, less three years ago, uh, people said, again, Ether was dead, Bitcoin is kind of like the, the only use case, but it was dying as well, DeFi would never work, smart contracts would never work, what are they good for? Here comes this upstart Uniswap that's saying, hey, we're, we're creating a different type of exchange. It's not going to be peer-to-peer, -peer. it's going to be decentralized, it's going to be peer-to-contract, okay? Now, here they are, the experiment worked incredibly well. Three years later, one trillion in value. All right, a lot of people said that this would never happen, and now now we've hit it. Uh, it pays to be contrarian in these bear markets. Mm -hmm. uh, Ten trillion by the end of 2024, I'd say. Uh, also, in the world of awesome numbers and metrics during our build market, the ENS boom is absolutely insane. So here are the April 2022 ENS stats: 163,000 new .eth registrations. So that's almost a that's almost a million names registered. Uh, all of those fees for registering all those names goes to the ENS DAO. So the ENS DAO collected 2,660 ETH in fees, which is up from the most, the previous all-time high of November 2021, which is 900 ETH more than November 2021. Uh, that's basically $8 million going to the DAO. Uh, 38,000 new ETH accounts with at least one new ENS name. So this is a proxy for users because new new Ethereum wallets buying their first ENS name, 38,000 of those, uh, and then over 40,000 ETH being traded in secondary market sales just on OpenSea. 4,000, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, 4,000 ETH, yes. And that was April. That wasn't even <laughs> May, Ryan. That was April. 
uh, May is now all in, and there is an all-time high for every single ENS metric that uh, Nick Johnson from ENS tracks. Uh, there, and if you are, there's a link in the show notes to go look at this. But here is uh, here are the things to look at. Uh, April, uh, we're not even done with May, and it looks like May is uh, uh, is already well beyond. Yeah, no, we're not done with May. We're already like 20% like longer or higher in terms of revenue for the protocol versus April. We still have like five days left. Uh, there's uh, this is one of my favorite lines is that there's always a bull market somewhere. It uh, doesn't matter what phase of the market in, you can always find a bull market. Uh, the bull market uh, cycle has rotated into ENS names in the last like couple months or so. That's really cool. And this is another chart from Nick. What's this showing? Uh, let's not, he says, oh, let's not forget new and returning users too. Uh, all-time high with returning users, all-time high for new users. Uh, ENS speculation, that's a, that's a thing. That's the thing. There's, there's more on the ENS boom uh, from William Peaster. He wrote a fantastic article on this in Metaverse. We'll include a link to the show notes there too. Uh, David, as well, some interesting reports, actually two reports that I, I wanted to highlight is one from Goldman Sachs and the other fr from the Federal Reserve. And I think the story here is, oh my God, most people don't have crypto yet. So right. few people have crypto, all right? Just, just a few stats from the Goldman report first. You know, crypto represents just 0.3% of the average household's net worth. 0.3%, that's it. My house is a little different than that. I imagine your household <laughs> is a little different, but 0.3%, okay? And this is, if you compare it to the rest of the economy, the total crypto market cap is about 1.3 trillion. Uh, American household wealth sits at 150 trillion, less than a percent, yeah. less yeah. than a percent of uh, total wealth is held in crypto right now. Um, there's some other interesting stats, like if you if you sort of compare how many adults hold crypto uh, last year 12 percent of all adults in the u.s held crypto yeah the the story here is that there's a lot of people left to buy our bags uh <laughs> bankless doesn't stop until 90 percent of all household wealth is crypto denominated uh and so we got a lot left to do the crazy thing is is that that these are numbers even after like the mania right and so uh, we're about to see probably an, an exodus out of uh, out of the crypto industry from all the tourists. And while, the, you know, I would say like, gut check me on this, Ryan, Ryan, but like 20% of people that come in during bull markets stay, stay as long-term settlers. Think, is, I, is that kind of high? Think, oh, 20% stay. 20% stay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'd say 80% leave. might leaves. be on the high side. That might be it high. It might be like 10% really stay. 20% right. stay kind of interested. Right. They listen to podcasts. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Occasionally. <laughs> some people are like, Oh, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Some people are not listening mm -hmm. to this already. Right. And so we, we still have a bunch of people to leave in the next life. If, if we are indeed in a B, B market. Uh, and so like, there's so much growth left, left in crypto, uh, hashtag early. I guess. Did you say if we are indeed in a B market, we're yeah. definitely in a B market. Are we not? Ether's still, still $1,800, man. We're still $400 above uh, the last, the top tick of the last uh, bull cycle, yeah. Um, yeah. which means maybe we have more to go. Like, yeah. We'll talk about this more, but like, there's universal consensus that we are going down like another 50%. And like, I'm, David I'm doesn't buy it. I don't buy it. I, I think we it. could. I definitely think we could. We'll Everyone see. thinks that. Everyone he, thinks that. Here's, you know what? Uh, did you know, though, uh, this is super interesting. I, I saw this from Coinmetrics. They put this chart out this week. Um, if you look at kind of the three classes of tokens on Ethereum, right? Just divide it into this. Ether, stable coins, and other tokens, other ERC-20 tokens, all right? 
the, the, the numbers come out like this. Stable coins are about $108 billion, all right? Uh, other tokens, non-stable coin tokens are actually less than this, than that $86 billion. And Ether is $240 billion. So Ether is still the vast majority of value on the Ethereum network. Stable coins are only $108 billion, but they've already exceeded as a killer app um, the rest of the ERC-20s, which are $86 billion. Do you think that this will stay like this as a proportion? What do you think happens in the future, David? Okay, so Ethereum is meant to be a protocol for other applications. Many of those applications being token-related. It seems to be the product market fit of Ethereum. We like tokens. Uh, it, like It's been thought by the developers that a secure Ethereum has like roughly a 1 to 10 to roughly 1 to 100 ratio of value on top of Ethereum to Ether value because the Ether value proof of stake secures the network, right? And so if we have a $10 trillion Ether market cap, which is where we will eventually get to, I'm sure, uh, we will have roughly a, it will be safely storing and managing uh, 100 to 200 trillion dollars of total wealth on top of that. Uh, and so that is the balance, like a, a strong a strong foundation of 10 trillion dollars of Ether market cap can safely secure 100 to maybe 200 trillion dollars uh, on top of that as well. Uh, also, shout out to just like wealth generation on Ethereum, like when in the bull case for Ethereum, the long term, uh, what we're what we're here for is like hundreds of trillions of dollars of total wealth creation. Uh, and so right now, when we see only something like 20% of the Ethereum uh, of the Ether market cap being uh, secured on top of Ethereum, so much room left for growth. Absolutely. It's another indication that we're early guys, we got so much more coming up, including the GameStop wallet. We're going to peek that open. Uh, what else we got, David? Oh my God, we have uh, the Loopring boys are going to be really happy about the game, the GameStop wallet. So shout out to those guys. Luna 2.0, uh, no Algo stablecoin this time. So what is it? Uh, and also loyalty coin season. Uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit. Uh, bear market prices, but bull market building. Uh, we will be right back after we talk to some of these fantastic sponsors that make the show possible. And we're back. It's GameStop season. The GameStop wallet is here. Uh, you can go and download the GameStop wallet. It looks like a MetaMask extension. Uh, I, I believe it's also on mobile, wallet.gamestop.com. Uh, it's a layer two wallet, and Ryan has got it built into his browser already. Uh, so, I mean, if you know what MetaMask is, you kind of are going to be familiar with it, but it's built on the Loopring layer two. Uh, and so that the Loopring bros are super happy about that. Uh, and so shout out to all of them. Uh, it, the alpha for what this thing actually is. We actually, I, I was trying to go around the blog posts for like, all right, who's released? Like Loopring didn't release very much information. GameStop didn't release very much information. You know where the alpha is, Ryan? You know where I found it? Uh, I bet, it's, is it on the GME subreddits? It's not GameStop on the GME subreddits? subreddits. No, it's not on Superstonk or anything like this? Yeah, the alpha is, is on the Chrome webpage store. Uh, and what? so it, go, it goes through the features, uh, self-custodial Ethereum wallet. You can buy ETH with a few taps or credit card or debit card using Apple uh. Pay. Uh, there's probably a, a backend payment integration there. Uh, you, it's on the Loopring layer two. It's got all the token standards, of course, ETH, ERC-20, ERC-721, ERC-1155. Uh, send and receive is good for payments. Uh, you can swap both on the Ethereum L1 and the Loopring layer two. Uh, you can connect your GameStop wallet to decentralized apps in the world of Ethereum, of course. Um, but the bigger question is what you can connect this to in the world of GameStop. Uh, and so there are GameStop NFTs at beta.nft.gamestop.com. That was four dots. <laughs> uh, and you can check it out there. So GameStop, um, yep. Yeah. 
Uh, going from a brick and mortar business to a Web3 NFT store. I can't believe it. I, I'm super impressed by this. Actually, like the meme became reality and they're actually getting into crypto in a meaningful way. I mean, mm -hmm. this is like a MetaMask level. It looks good. Wallet. It, it looks, looks great. fantastic. There's a place for your coins. There's a place for your NFTs. There's a place to swap. Just like MetaMask. In fact, the user interface in some ways is, is kind of nicer. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, I haven't, I haven't used this uh, very much yet, but... It's supporting layer two out of the box, which is loopering right now, mm -hmm. but they're going to be incorporating other layer twos as well. Mm -hmm. That's impressive. Right. Completely self-custodial. I mean, these guys are on it and uh, I, I'm blown away with uh, what they delivered in this first release. So it's super cool to see. David, I thought we had Wallet Week because remember we talked, it was like Robinhood right. and Coinbase releasing a wallet and Ledger releasing a wallet. And now here's GameStop entering mm -hmm. just in the past seven days. All of mm -hmm. these, these wallets have, have come to fruition, at least like. I don't know, 14 days now. I don't know what the time span is, but it's two weeks. Mm -hmm. Granted, I haven't tried to explore the, and use the other wallets yet that you just mentioned, but this is the first wallet that we have on screen in the browser ready to go. <laughs> so uh, kudos to GameStop for that. Oh boy, uh, from what? the ashes. Ryan was yeah, wrong. Yeah, okay. So it looks like Luna is rising from the ashes, I think. So a Luna 2.0 sort of thing. Um, here's a thread that explains it. Terra 2.0, I guess I should say. So Luna is a token. Terra is the chain. Um, of course, there's going to be a, a new Luna as well. And uh, basically what they're doing is relaunching this uh, blockchain network as a layer one um, without the Algo stablecoin this time. Right. So there seems to be some acknowledgement. Hey, I think that was kind of a bad idea. Let's <laughs> that not didn't do work. <laughs> Let's not do that again. And they are distributing tokens, Luna classic or sorry luna tokens to the luna classic so i guess the old luna network is now called luna classic is that the case yep. or is this luna classic? Yep. uh no old old chain luna classic That's new luna chain classic. is currently called luna okay so. and they're giving it to a community pool first mm -hmm. of all so it's i guess the slush fund for the community to vote on that sort of thing then they're giving an allotment to the pre-attack luna holders 35 percent the pre-attack usd ust holders 10 percent and then the post-attack yeah. Oh my God. I can't believe I'm reading that out and I didn't even notice that propaganda. Um, but absolutely. I refuse to call it an attack now that you said that. Um, the post incident, post collapse Luna holders and the post attack, uh, post collapse UST holders as well are getting some portion of this. Um, so I don't know. I like, I, I'm glad there's some resurrection. Uh, it seem, seems like that, you know, some similar ideas. Uh, same management as well. Like I think Doquan is going Do to be involved in this. Other than oh, Doquan Do is not going no, to be involved. No, he will in not this. be here. He oh, might, really? He is in trouble. Um, Are you sure? Oh, okay. He, like, was this his idea though? I thought this was par partially his idea, but like, he's not going to be like he's got other things to deal with. Is more what you're saying? Yeah, I, I think T like maybe I I don't know the details. Not connected to the Terra ecosystem. Uh, I would be surprised if Do Quan is a leader in this whole entire thing, uh, especially while he is going through some legal issues. Oh boy. Uh, can you tell us what some of those might be? I think that's our next story. Uh, yeah, this is more related to the Luna Foundation Guard. Uh, and so police authorities in South Korea have taken action to freeze assets tied to the LFG, the Luna Foundation Guard. Uh, the the Seoul, Seoul, so how do you pronounce uh, the capital of South Korea? I've actually never- Seoul. Seoul? Yeah. Oh, okay. Seoul yeah. Metropolitan Police Agency. Freeze got Seoul. 
Yeah. It's like Ethereum's got Soul. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, the, the police of Seoul uh, has asked multiple exchanges to block Luna Foundation guards from withdrawing any corporate funds. Uh, and so uh, there is rumors of embezzlement, uh, TBD on that. But the, that is one of the reasons why the police have uh, said that they have the authority to do this. Uh, they said they intervened after finding clues. They, they were indicating there was embezzled funds within the LFG. Oof. That is an oof, Ryan. That's what that is. I remember there were some uh, some podcasters, maybe some critics, who said that uh, holding assets like Bitcoin off-chain was not a good idea yeah. by a small set of multi-sig signers. Not mm. a good idea. Not to have a clean, transparent audit trail for all of that stuff. Yeah, but you're and, just a fighting ETH maxi, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I am. Look, I'm glad. I hope this this will not be the last time we talk about Terra and Luna. I'm sure, mm. but I'm glad. I, I'm just hopeful that all of this can be push behind us. Right. I, I'm just done talking about it. It's like, it's over. Let's move. Let's yep. move. Yep. Let's move on this. Moving on. Uh, well, not the only thing taken to court, but this time not not so nice. Leighton Cusack of Pool, Pool Together is sadly part uh, getting wrapped up in this whole Pool Together lawsuit. And this is becoming a bigger and bigger deal. As we get more details about the lawsuit itself, uh, somebody deposited $12 into Pool Together and immediately filed a quarter billion dollar class action lawsuit on Pool Together because, uh, you know, flagging is like, it's a, it's a lottery. It's illegal. Uh, I lost money on gas. That is not that I'm not making a joke about that. That's in the whole thing. Uh, and so uh, Pool Together has it's like sadly been paying hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars of legal fees to fight this thing. This very innocent, very beloved DeFi app, a no-loss lottery. You literally cannot lose money. It's called it's a, a savings account. It's a savings account. It's, it's called a, a prize-linked savings, savings account. You put your money in, and every once in a while, if you win, you get a bunch of money. And then if you don't, if you want to get out, you get out. Uh, it has, Pool Together has onboarded so many communities from all across the world. It's probably the most multinational DeFi app that I know of. Uh, they've done a fantastic job putting out documentation and literature in many, many languages to onboard people from Asia, from Africa, from all over the world. Uh, and so it's like the most like diverse app by usage. Uh, and they are getting these absolute uh, suit out of them by somebody connected to Elizabeth Warren, a previous uh, Elizabeth Warren campaign person uh, is doing this. And so uh, pull together. This is this is the, the call to arms like we are, DeFi is under attack. They're not just going after pull together. They're going after DeFi and they're using pool together to do it. And so if you think that this isn't your problem, it is your problem. This is a, an attack on all of us, all, all of us. Yeah. So here's what they're doing there uh it, it says keep pooly flying so they're minting all of these pooly birds these are nfts that uh you can purchase so there's a pooly supporter it's uh 0.1 eth all the way to a lawyer and a judge and those are more expensive and there's limited quality of each and all of the funds all of the proceeds go to the defense of pool together in this in this lawsuit and i think david this could become a shelling point for uh, the rest of the DeFi community because this is not this is like the first battle of a war that we have to fight the nation state level and more specifically i mean we're fighting this war with the kind of lobbyists and washington politicians and regulators this sort of thing we also have to fight it in the court system mm -hmm. okay so this is how we uh, defend our rights in the in, in the court system and this is less about like no will this court case kill DeFi? of course it can't kill DeFi. It's not that that can't happen. What this is about is making sure that Americans, people in the US, people in whatever jurisdiction you live in, do not get left behind. Because if our like our governments come together and they say regular citizens can't use a DeFi savings account like this, or even worse, maybe I don't can't open an 
and eat the dress, I don't know where this leads in the court mm -hmm. system, then it's US citizens who will be left behind. That's why this is so important. I minted a pulley. I am a lawyer. I also got a lawyer. We are system. we are now lawyers. We are lawyers. You and I are lawyers. And look, David, it's scary, man. Do you ever think like even what you just said? I mean, you could be you could be sued. Bankless could be sued for what you just said. I mean, what, we've talked about pool together in the very early days. No, no, no. Before that, oh. just talking about pool together. Oh yeah. We've we've uh, posted articles right. about pool together. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, Tactics about newsletter. how to engage with a prize linked savings account. So. And, and I remember writing about Pool Together back in my POV crypto days, uh, right. all the way back in like 2019 uh, or something. And as a result of that, people took their money and put it in Pool Together. Some made money and no one has lost money. And we might be sued for, for like stating that, that you can do this. Totally. David, I wouldn't be surprised if, if we were at some point, some I, frivolous no. lawsuits coming out. Yeah. So we, look, the community's got to rise up. We've got we've to protect um, people that are, that are going bankless, protect our DeFi protocols, mm -hmm. fight this out in the court system. So American citizens don't get left behind. That's mm -hmm. what this is about. DeFi will be fine. Mm -hmm. Let's make sure America doesn't miss the boat here. Okay, so what you got to do, you got to go mint your poolie, uh, mint.pooltogether.com, link in the show notes. There are three different tiers that you can mint, 0.1 ETH for the little guy, uh, 1 ETH for a lawyer, and 75 ETH for a judge if you want to be a real Chad. Uh, the, <laughs> the, uh, the bull case for this, the financial bull case for this is that with this in your wallet, you are signaling that you are somebody who cares about DeFi and you are a good community member. And so with this NFT in your wallet, you get to signal to the world that you care about DeFi and that you are a good huh. Ethereum wallet to have this NFT in it. And so this Sir, is, you, are, are you implying that this could uh, have financial up upside? Yeah, this will add, uh, add it to an airdrop list, a, a list of good people who care about DeFi. Uh, and I remember just like, and this is a story of airdrops, right? Like things I did in like 2017 ultimately got me an airdrop in like 2022. Uh, and so you don't know when it's going to come, but you want to be on the list. You want to put your name on the list. So that is the financial bull case for minting a pooly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, do it for the right oh, reasons yeah, or and do uh, it for the wrong reasons. Yeah, That's whatever. A <laughs> it's regen crypto. Like we're, we can turn bad incentives into good ones. Uh, this oh, is a man. good thing to, to fight for. Listen, crypto, beautiful. Mm -hmm. uh, what do we got next, David? Uh, optimism token. Okay, so optimism cracking down on airdrop farmers, removing 17,000 addresses that have been verifiable to have been farming the crap out of the airdrop. This is also this a very similar strategy from uh, from Hot Protocol. These two airdrops which have come out in the last like month or so, uh, I've been calling the new meta for airdrops. Uh, it is an arms race between farmers and uh, and airdrop senders. So we're trying to find all the farmers and nix them because they're not the community. They're toxic. They just farm and dump the token. Uh, and so uh, doing having this like strategy, the optimism, the optimism strategy was to create six different criteria that you can get the airdrop for. Uh, and then if you ha had multiples of those criteria, you had a multiplier. Uh, and so that's that was a community surgically discovering, the, surgically discovering the community strategy. Uh, and then hot protocol strategy was you could f go and do like ether scan, like narc on farmers. Uh, and if you could find the hot protocol farmers, you could report them and you could receive 25% of the tokens that they would have received. Wow. That's mitigating smart. token distribution that way. So smart. Uh, and so this is the new meta for airdrops. So Ryan, for the listeners out there who are like, damn, but I want to farm the airdrop. What do they, what do you think that they need to do? Like, I think they should be a real human instead yeah. and just use the protocol the way <laughs> a real human would mm -hmm. use it mm -hmm. and stop trying to game the system. Mm -hmm. And instead of trying to game the system and go for the short term rewards here, 
just think about crypto as just a long-term, yep. multi-year, multi-decade yep. journey. Put, put your student cap on, go learn how to use the protocol, uh, treat it like a homework assignment, find every single corner about the protocol, put real money in, uh, and then you will probably be getting an airdrop. Um, to other things related to like size of money and time of money. So those are all, all concerns as well. Anyways, that's David, your alpha for the week. There's, there's more alpha here, oh, which is, nice. which is uh, yeah, uh, uh, loyalty coin season. Oh, that yeah. may be starting. We've, we've talked about loyalty coins in the past a little bit, but mm -hmm. maybe you could give the TLDR on what a loyalty coin is. And we're seeing actually two examples mm -hmm. of it in play this week. One at Coindesk, mm -hmm. the desk token, and the other is uh, Revolut. Which yeah. is with Revcoin, Revolut, a major fintech platform mm. as well. So, give us the TLDR. What what is a loyalty coin, and what's happening this week that uh, you know people should pay attention to? Well, people should be familiar with like loyalty points, right? And now it's just loyalty points, but as tokens. Uh, and so, like airline, there was a big like movement in 2017 to like during the ICO mania to tokenize airline miles, which I thought was hilarious. Actually, wasn't the worst idea of the ICO mania. <laughs> but <it's, laughs> no. there's this concept that, that is universal. It's a primitive, I'd say, where if if you put and engage your economic activity through a particular like host, uh, like your credit cards or your airlines, they just give you back rewards. They and it's basically like yield farming, right? Like if you buy a flight, you get some points, and the points get you to buy more flights, right? It's like a form of yield farming. This is a primitive. You, one of the great marketing strategies is just to pay people to use your stuff. Uh, and so CoinDesk has launched the Desk Token, and is a part of the experience of Consensus 2022 for the people who are going to Consensus 2022. Uh, you can earn desk throughout the festival by engaging in consensus stuff. So you can, and you can also redeem it for swag, food, drinks, NFTs, and more. It's basically like the internal currency of consensus uh, and overall the CoinDesk ecosystem. This isn't nothing new, uh, but you get there's now now like a verifiable place where you can spend all your points for swag and food and stuff. So it counts as money, uh, I guess. Uh, and and this again, this is not the CoinDesk, which is a very large company. It's a big deal that they're doing this. Uh, Revolut, even bigger company, even bigger deal that they're also doing this. So they're doing RevCoin. Yeah, and RevCoin is kind of what you were just saying, David, is uh, this from the article. RevCoin will function in a similar way to airline air miles programs where users earn rewards based on how often they use the service. It definitely won't be a stable coin, says the the founder. The goal is to make loyalty tradable. I love how he says it definitely won't be a stable coin right after the collapse of Terra. <laughs> <laughs> right? like, no, no, we're not that guys. We're but not it, it's also that. it's also like, hey, price can go up, by the way. That's that's, yeah. that's the other read between the lines. Well, that's the thing. That's what he said. The goal is to make loyalty tradable. So the problem with airline miles and hotel points, and I don't know if David, if like in my uh, younger years, I used to try to like open a bunch of cards and like game the system and, right. you know, right. uh, get them, get the maximize right. my, my uh, loyalty you're, programs. You're, you're and the credit card rotate. farming. Yeah. For, yeah, it was credit card farming. farming. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly, man. Yeah. Uh, similar thing I do today, <laughs> I guess. <now laughs> I think about it. Uh, anyway, it was way less way less profitable then and part of the reason why is because you couldn't transfer the tokens or trade them like right. what is the value of a, an airline miles i mean whatever american Airlines says it is plus they're highly the way, inflationary they're kind yeah, of shit highly coin. inflationary they're terrible <laughs> and so the ability to ha actually have a market price and allow these things to escape in the open finance economy in the DeFi economy that's what's special here that's what's cool i think we'll see all sorts of look there's no real regulatory pain points here in the way there is with like securities and that sort of thing, right? Mm -hmm. Loyalty coin is, is sort of a different thing. We have some precedent for that in the, in the real world. So 
I think that's all a good thing. And if you uh, listen you to that, you have a summary. Yeah, yeah. If you and if you listen to that and you were like, "Ooh, I'm bullish." Here's the bear case. Uh, there's this one of my favorite episodes <laughs> of uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia where they mint patty bucks. Patty is the name of their pub, and they give out patty bucks to incentivize people to come into their bar. Uh, and then people come into their bar and they buy beer with the patty bucks. And then at the end of the day, they're like, "Okay, now we don't have any any beer all because we, we sold it all, bucks? and all we have is patty bucks." <laughs> <laughs> and so, and so this, they're like, okay, well, what do we do? Like, oh, well, we go give the patty bucks back out so they can come and drink our beer. And they're like, wait, when do we get the money though? Where's the dollars come in? And then they never, they never quite figure that out. It's like a, yeah. It's a, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. But DeFi figures that out because they could just uh, swap the patty bucks on Uniswap, right? There's gonna be a right. market for that. So you have your patty bucks at the end of the day. You just, well, no, you but then that they, that's that's what that's what we're talking about. You get Coin Desk <laughs> lets them like take their desk token to Uniswap and sell it for ETH. I don't know how it works, David. It's an experiment. <laughs> Okay, and we are not a stable coin. Definitely, it's not a stable coin. <laughs> oh uh, OpenSea just launched something big too. This is uh, OpenSea mm. Marketplace called Seaport, and I'm not sure it's one marketplace, but it's a set of marketplaces. Yeah. Can you try to explain this? I know the details are scant right now, but do the best you can. Details are scant about like what this whole like spin up a marketplace thing means. The details that I do know that it is verifiable is that it is opening up uh, more ways to express a sale. Uh, so right now you go to OpenSea and you're like, I like those properties. Uh, I will buy it with my ETH. Uh, a seller now with with uh, with Seaport uh, can take their uh, one of their NFTs, like, a, I don't know, a, a hoodie uh, CryptoPunk, for example. And then they put up the hoodie CryptoPunk and they're like, I want... I want a uh, 3D glasses crypto punk. And so I will sell my hoodie punk for a 3D glasses punk. Uh, and that trade can be executed by somebody who owns a 3D glasses punk. Uh, and so you can just like skip the money. We're, apparently the theme here is we're, we're, we're skipping the, the we're, barter. We're, we're going back to the barter system. Wait, right? I, thought, I, I thought we were speed running finance. Now it sounds like we're going the wrong uh, We're going direction. in all directions, back right? To barter. <laughs> okay. This seems to be like the theme of the show is the part where we skip the money. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so like you can, I mean, Think about it inside of a video game, right? Where like you have like your axe and you like want to trade it for some guy's sword or something, or just like yeah. you have one. It would make more sense. Than, like, Three axes for one right. sword. Yeah, stuff like whatever. that. Yeah, and so it's just like a more expressing more abilities to trade stuff. So useful That's cool. tool. That's cool. Uh, not what's not cool. Not cool. Seth, Seth Green. Green. Yeah, he has a TV show, uh, and he is because he owns. Well, TBD on that one. Uh, because he owns a, a a board ape, he can use the property, the IP of that, to make a TV show. So he's made a TV show. Uh, he, he's invested money into this, uh, but he sadly lost his ape, uh, as many apes do, to a phishing attack. Uh, oh, so he man. no longer has the commercial rights to the NFT, and therefore cannot run the show. Wait, is that for real? That we is for like, real, Ryan. He no longer has ownership over the IP because he lost his ape to a phishing attack. His, his entire show got hacked. Yes, the entire him. show. The entire show. So this is like really bullish for CCO, I'd say. Uh, like uh, Creative Commons Open, uh, which are things like NounsDAO is this. Um, um, MFers are this. There's a bunch of CCO type NFTs where like anyone can use anything. Uh, and so like if you, but Im- imagine like, imagine if you have like a Star Wars level franchise around your NFT that has embedded IP and it, in, hacked. and it gets hacked, right? And so like you have to have that thing in the deepest cold storage of all time in case somebody steals the IP. Wow. Isn't right? self-custody fun? Yeah, right. Right, so bullish CCO, I think it's a TLDR. Sorry, Seth I, Green, you lost your, look, your ape. 
Look, I also think like bullish uh, smart contract wallets, social recovery, better security, like people are learning the hard way this cycle. And it's mm -hmm. funny, it's not just like the crypto OGs losing their Bitcoin. It's like mm -hmm. people who are in the NFT space and mm -hmm. just didn't take the time to go all the way back down the rabbit hole to figure out how to secure their stuff before they're mm -hmm. diving into this. On a separate note, uh, would you watch an NFT TV show, Ryan? <laughs> Only if my NFTs were in it, sir. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I don't know. It would have to be, it has to be good content. Right. I can't like. I guess it's all the content. I don't want to watch it. Yeah. With somebody else's bag. Right. Why don't I want to show of somebody else's you know, apes unless I'm part of the ape community. Right. So there'll be at least 10,000 watchers of that show. I, mean, um, I don't think that's a very high number I, for a TV show. <laughs> <laughs> I think you need more. I think you need more It has that. to be good content. <laughs> we'll see. I'll suspend judgment until we see it. Uh, David, just some quick things. You know, Cammy Russo yeah. mm -hmm. met the Pope. She met the Pope and she gave him her book. Uh, so the the uh, the Pope now owns a, an Ethereum book. Uh, bullish, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Well, a couple weeks ago, when we say the Vatican was doing NFTs, <laughs> the, the Pope uh, ETH pilled. He's been I, for, I forgot about that. Nice job, Cammy. Yeah. Oh yeah, we got we got crypto missionaries going out and recruiting popes to our religion. <laughs> <laughs> wow all right that's a deep cut i don't know how many people you offended with that but uh we'll keep going um sbf sam bankman freed just says he could spend as much as one billion dollars in the 2024 election one billion dollars yeah so SPF, it's, his brand is all about uh, uh, philanthropy, right? Like I'm going to give back all of my net worth. I'm going to give back, give it all away. I'm just going to make a bunch of money just to give it away. H has he spent? Has he given away a billion dollars yet? I don't know. I don't know how much he's got. I haven't been tracking that. But this is not philanthropy. This is not philanthropy. This is political this is clout. Yes, this is this like is lobbying. Help! I will steer the, steer the ship with a billion dollars. Um, so uh, there's a there's a. How do you feel about this? I mean, it's mixed, probably good for the review. industry. Uh, it's definitely good for the industry. It also is really good just to say like, yo, politicians, there's this people giving out billions of dollars to other politicians. Uh, and so we know the world of politics responds to money. It's probably good. It's probably good. Um, yes. Uh, it's not I, awesome that this is how it works though, that this is how awesome. the existing It doesn't make me works. feel good. It doesn't make me feel right. good. It's like when we talk about kind of lobbying, like I imagine it much more of a grassroots thing where it's yeah. like, you know, hundred thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people, right. millions of people who are donating small uh, amounts in order to fund some sort of political action movement. Right. It coming this way is a little bit different. I guess as long as what SBF is doing is protecting like the values of decentralization and like hardcore crypto values, right? And like defending against those and supporting politicians who put those in place and not trying to prop up this neo crypto banking sector. Mm -hmm. And I am still aligned with his mission here. I, yes. But yes. I don't necessarily trust that that's going to be the eventual outcome. And I don't think we should trust it. I think we should be eyes wide open when we start to use these sort of nation state tools. Yes, that you tapped onto what I, what I was feeling that I couldn't verbalize is that it doesn't make me feel good that a crypto neo banker is paying $1 billion to uh, Joe Biden. Uh, that mm. does not make me feel good. Not necessarily just Joe Biden, right? I bet uh, he'll- I think, I think it is Joe Biden actually. Oh, is it really? I think so. Wow, okay, wow. Uh, he's also uh, saying he could spend $1 billion. So he actually hasn't spent this yet. Okay, well, he could spend 10 billion. He could spend. I, I could spend billion. ten billion, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, somehow it feels more credible coming from SBF. I don't know, Dave. Uh, but speaking of all of the opportunity and billions of dollars in the crypto space, should we talk about jobs in crypto? This is our 
weekly opportunity to tell you to go get a job in crypto. I'm gonna pull this up, David, but um, this is the Bankless Jobs Board, okay? This is where we list all of the jobs uh, and I'm gonna read them out for you because you know what you have to do. You have to check this out, get on the list, submit your resume to the Talent Collective as well. Number one, Solidity Developer from Unlocked, Senior Product Designer, Smart DeFi, Business Development Lead, Goldfinch, Marketing Manager, Wanderverse, VP of Engineering, ZKX, Head of Growth, ZKX, Developer Evangelist, Argent, Customer Success Lead, Tally. I could go on, but they're all available for you. Get on the Jobs Board list, subscribe, sign up and uh, you can be part of, of getting this notice uh, in the future. David, um, jobs are hot in crypto. You know what? I feel like we did this time a lot better is we actually prepared for winter time. Mm -hmm. we, put, we put some of those uh, chestnuts away. You know, we scrolled them all away. And there are a lot of companies that are still hiring well positioned for this bear market. I don't think we'll see a major decrease in hiring at all. I, I think I said this last week, and I might have said it with the week before, but this bear market is going to be uh, the most unlike other, any other bear market. Uh, I tweeted it out today, uh, this bull market or bear market is going to be the greatest bull market of all time. And then I had to add an asterisk to that, meaning like the, uh, meaning how much fun we're about to have. Uh, <laughs> not, not like we're all about to get wrecked. Not price-related fun. Although that might also happen. Um, <laughs> but the idea, that, like we have so much, this industry is flush with cash. It's not going to the assets, sadly, but it's going to building. It's a build market. So this is the, unlike 2018, where everyone literally almost like everything almost went to zero. We almost lost basically all of our funding. When Ether was $80, we couldn't pay people to develop Ethereum. Uh, and so that was bad. Like we almost ground, ground to a halt. That is not what's happening right now. Totally the, right. The, the the It's the complete inverse. We have every single company's flush with cash. Everyone's hiring. Uh, Bankless is hiring. We're hiring like crazy. It's kind of scary. Uh, and like every single company has the money to spend to, to pay a lot of people. Uh, and so everyone is going to make so much wealth in this bear market, Ryan, because like that's where that's where wealth is created. And so so many things are going to get built. So many salaries about to get paid. So many people are going to get a job because like hiring is probably at all time highs right now, I'd say. Uh, it's it's insane. Like it's so fun. I'm having a great time. <laughs> I think I think there is going to be some belt tightening. Uh, but that's probably like true. I just. I mean, we'll, we'll get into it when we get into the races. I mean, massive races this week announced uh, as well. But before we do, David, uh, Tracer has just mm -hmm. released something cool. You want to tell us about this? Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to run through the five things out of Tracer Dow's Perpetuals V2. Uh, disclaimer, Ryan and I are advisors for TracerDAO, so uh, we're close with the team. Uh, we have tokens, uh, and we also know what's up going on uh, behind the scenes. And that's why we have uh, the information to talk about it. But it's also here in this tweet as well. Uh, TracerDAO perpetual pools, it's like leveraged long short positions, kind of like DYDX, um, but in tokenized into a, a, a token. Uh, it's on Balancer on Arbitrum right now. So you can go like 3x long Bitcoin, 3x short Bitcoin, et cetera, et cetera. The idea is that you can plug in any sort of price feed into TracerDAO and you can produce a perpetual pool on that thing. So like, you know, any other crypto asset, but then you can also do like housing markets or like oil or water or whatever. Uh, anyways. Going from V1 to V2. First thing, no minimums. There's no more minimums on getting into a position. You can enter or exit at any size. Love it. Uh, more second Feature number two, more stable value transfers. Uh, so in V1, when Bitcoin would go up by 5% in a single hour, the actual value transfer in a 3x market was 13.6%, not 15%. Uh, this makes the whole thing more efficient and, and better. This which leads into feature number three, which is long-term tokens. That thing is called volatility decay. Previously, tokens would have eventually go to zero over time, but that has largely been 
been fixed. These tokens are now suited for long-term holding. Perfectly times, Ryan, for a 3x position to go into the merge, if you dare, if you dare take that leverage position. Uh, mint fee, uh, there's also a mint fee to get into it, so this also helps prevent volatility decay and increase holding of these tokens. So if you mint the thing, there's a, pay a, a small fee towards the holders, not towards the protocol, towards the holders. And so the holders get the fee. Uh, currently, there are two markets available, uh, 3x BTC, long short, 3x ETH, long short. Uh, there's also a quiz. This is why it's also super cool about this. They're teaching you how to use the protocol. There's a quiz who, to, that changes every single week, uh, and you can pass the quiz to get a POAP. Same deal with the whole like pull together NFT thing, holding these, these POAPs that prove you did something in a product community are useful things to do. Uh, so there is my shill of the week. It's a really cool product. I'm really bull bullish on it. Uh, there's a link in the show notes. Cool. Uh, this is uh, also pretty neat. Sense Finance, they just released a few products. And what's cool about this is, um, you know, we've compared David sort of Ether being bonded to like the uh, the yield curve, mm -hmm. like treasuries, mm -hmm. for instance. You know, in the traditional markets, there uh, there's this yield curve, right? Yep. So yep. you get to look at T-bills and you get to look at the, on the one year and like the, you know, the 10 year and even the 20 and 30 year or the one month, right? And this is called the yield curve or the uh, risk-free rate, if you will, the risk-free yep. rate of money when you, when you hear terms like this. Well, this is what Sense is coming up with. They're, they're coming up with a risk-free rate for ETH and they're coming out with a, an ETH yield curve. So what's cool is they're creating a, a two-month, a six-month, a one-year, and a five-year um, yield curve for Ether, the asset. So that means like um, Ether as a bond, you know, th there's a market for a maturity of that bond in two months, there's a maturity in six months, maturity in one year and five years. And so through this, they can create a yield curve. We can actually see what the risk-free rate for Ether is in the Ethereum economy. So this is kind of wonkish stuff to geek out to you, but I think the the risk-free rate for Ether within the e Ethereum economy is going to represent sort of the, the cost of capital, yep. right? Because like, it's going to be like a really important it's number for, it's the new interest rate because like, why would you invest in any token, in any DeFi project, really in anything in the Ethereum economy, unless you could actually exceed the, um, the opportunity cost of staking something in ether for two months or one year or five years for instance so i'm just psyched and like kind of geeking out that we're starting to construct these these yield curves in uh in crypto i have like so much to say about this and i'm like oh this is the weekly roll-up i can't ramp but i'm going to uh so there, there's two things uh, it's not called the internet bond for nothing uh this is the financialization of ether the asset in its proof of stake form uh this is the internet bond market this is the new like ryan the cost of capital is what the Fed uh, does when it uh, controls money, the price of money. And right now, the Fed's like, okay, we need to make the cost of capital go up. The cool thing about the Ethereum interest rate is it's dynamic. It's set by the market. Uh, and so in, uh, yields go up when less people stake because then Ethereum is asking more for more security. So it's incentivizing you more. Yields go down when a lot of people stake. Uh, but also what's uh, not very often discussed, Ryan, is that when the economy is hot, when there's a hot economy, which is generally associated with high inflation rates, uh, and low cost of capital. When the economy heats up, what happens to gas prices? They go up. What happens to the staking fees when gas prices are hot? They go up, increasing the stake rate, increasing the cost of capital, naturally putting a dampening effect on the heat of the Ethereum economy. Exactly. How crazy is that? And so it's like, no, we just no, we just got rid of 12 jobs, the board members of the Federal Reserve. Like, we got it, guys. Like, we, ours we need, is better. We need, we need to honestly do an entire episode around this. Yeah. Like,
like once the yield curve kind of matures, like mm -hmm. you can even see here, this is super fascinating. So a ETH bond with a six month maturity is about 7.1, right? Mm -hmm. So it's high, higher, uh, with a one month maturity, it's four. Okay. Mm -hmm. And it goes, so one month it's down at four, six month maturity, it's seven. So, you know, picture kind of the slope of the line here. One year, it drops down to 6.69 and then five years, it's 5.6. Interesting slope here right. Uh, right. from a from a time perspective, and, and it, it does chart the cost of capital. And if you want to speculate on like, I think the Ethereum economy is going to grow hotter, or I think it's going to grow colder, you can you can express that. And so if you think interest rates are going to go up, you can speculate that, or not interest rates, yield rates, ETH yield rates are going to go up because the future of Ethereum is going to be a hotter economy. This allows you to express that. Uh, super cool. The the financialization of ETH is like in like day one of like 365 days. Like there's so much left to do. It's a build market. Yeah. Well, build do you market. remember when we, uh, we, when, when staking came aboard and we, we hey, this is the, the, the world's first internet bond. That's mm. what we're really launching here. Now we're starting to see this emerge. Right. Uh, David, let's go through some raises real quick. Time. All right. So, uh, A16Z biggest crypto fund ever where bull, wh like what, what bear market is kind of what they're saying here, $4.5 billion. And this is their fourth crypto fund. Mm -hmm. uh, we actually had Mark Andreessen and Chris Dixon on the podcast. We're releasing the full episode Monday. If you're a premium subscriber, you can go access that now on the Bankless Premium feed. Fantastic, hot episode. And David, what did Chris say he's going to spend all this on? The $4.5 billion, do you recall exactly? Oh, a bunch of companies, a bunch of startups building really cool stuff in the crypto space. Is that the right answer? I think that's a think good, that's that's right a good answer. answer. <laughs> it's crypto. It's crypto stuff like yeah. protocols, these stable coins, whole bunch in, in jobs. Like this mm -hmm. is why crypto is hiring. Uh, also, um, there's so another. If, yeah, if you're worried about job security in the bear market, just take note that there is 4.5 billion dollars coming into this industry. That's very true. They also backed uh, Flow Carbon, mm -hmm. which um, this is Adam Newman. Do, do you know Adam Newman from the the WeWork yep. guy? Do you oh, know I, much about I know, him? I know the story. Yeah, I watched the All documentary. All right. Well, why don't you tell the story then? I I didn't watch the documentary. Oh, or anything. I don't know oh, much about this. Okay. Guy. So Adam Newman, he is basically like a Theranos type thing where he just like. Turned, Theranos thing? Theranos, yes, thank okay. you. Uh, it turned in, he turned like WeWork into like this cult trade where like so many people kept on pouring money into this thing. He's a really good salesman. He had this like crazy vision and he was basically adding just like this visionary element on top of what was essentially just like cube, renting cubicle space. He was like, we're gonna change consciousness. We're gonna change society. We have such ambitious projects. And then at the end of the day, when the fundamentals came, because they timed it, they wanted to go public. The public took a look at their documents and be like, these fundamentals are like the worst fundamentals of all time. Like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> what are we uh, buying? And then they stopped having to go private. It was a big scandal. Anyways, Adam Newman is now backing Flow Carbon, a $70 million raise for Flow Carbon. Uh, he's not part of the team. So, like, the, the, the controversial nature of Adam Newman is not relevant to what Flow Carbon is building. But it's just, like, an interesting story. Uh, also, ACC is there. Wait, this is a, a startup. He's co-founded it. Uh, David, so he's definitely. Oh, not just, just kidding! Oopsies! Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 he's the co-founder of the thing. <laughs> this right. is like his. So it's backed by A16Z and a whole bunch of others. Uh, General Catalyst, Samsung, Next, a whole bunch of others. But this is his like. I'm going to be a CEO again and a co-founder. Okay. Um, but why don't we say like why don't we suspend doubt on who this individual is for a minute? Yes. Low carbon, this is like a tokenized uh, carbon mm. sort of platform, right? So this is sort of a public goods refi type angle. Oh, that's cool. Oh, I like that. 
Yeah. Oh, what maybe maybe wrong? this is Adam Newman's like great rebrands. Like, how, yeah. all right, he's gonna he's gonna he's maybe. gonna he's gonna make a make a comeback. Maybe we'll have to see. I I do think it's it's kind of cool. I guess like what could go wrong, even if it is a big Ponzi scheme. We you know <laughs> clean up the clean up the world a little bit. <laughs> there are worse Ponzi's out there. Like, uh, a Ponzi scheme that that uh, makes people money, doesn't collapse, and also cleans up the world is what Kevin Milwaukee would call a good thing. Ooh, it's that it's that middle part that's hard doesn't it's collapse a, yeah, that's the that's, part that's, that's the hard, hard part <laughs> we got to learn more about it to be fair but that is the news that <laughs> it was it was uh, adam newman this mm-hmm. week and mm-hmm. a16c founded uh starkware they just announced a series d at an eight billion dollar valuation what bear market all right what bear market eight billion dollars dude that's insane only a bear market in the, t- in the bags that we hold that's what's going on yeah, it's just it's just it hits it hits public markets faster than yeah. privates these private valuations will take a few months to catch up i yeah, think this is true but uh standard crypto this is another crypto fund they just raised a casual 500 million dollars as well so the private equity keeps uh keeps chugging man it's only public markets that are suffering. Won't pu- won't one public fund care about the crypto prices? Just can you just buy the crypto so they stops going down? <laughs> At some point, some of them should. I don't know if that's in their charter, but mm-hmm. uh, you know it's a little lopsided right now. Uh, David, we got some hot stuff coming mm-hmm. up next though, including our new segment, questions from the nation. Love it. All right, so some questions from bankless listeners to us. We're going to read those out and try our best to answer them. What else we got? Uh, we also got some bullish takes from Vance Spencer, which will, I think, also summarize the whole entire vibe of this very giggly uh, weekly roll-up, I'd say, this week, Ryan. That's uh, just you. Yeah, I'm, that's just me. I'm stone-faced. <laughs> uh, we also got Dan Elliser, Mike Damaris from Rainbow, and Hayden Adams all discussing Uniswap chain. Uh, just just a theory. Just a theory. Uh, so those takes are coming up next. But before you do, if you haven't liked and subscribed from the first time we told you in this podcast, please go do this now as you listen to this some of these fantastic sponsors that make the show possible. All right, guys, we are back with the questions of the week. And just as a reminder, if you want to get in the next roll-up, you got to ask your question on Twitter. I think we got 65 of them this time around, David, but wow. uh, this is the one we picked. It's got a lot of likes. Now I'll read you the question. Maybe you can give your shot at answering first. Why is there, this is from uh, data underscore always on Twitter. Why is there so much incomplete and misinformation in this space and around the merge? What's up with that? Misinformation about the Ethereum merge. Why? Yeah, this has always been perplexing to me. So I understand why this question, where this question is coming from and why it's getting so many likes. Ethereum is perplexingly misunderstood, not just about the merge, but like persistently all of the time. Uh, And to why that has happened is is a big mystery. The the only thing that I really have to say about that, my, my two answers that seem reasonable to me, is that there is like the EF, being like the one thing that started Ethereum doesn't really do comms or communications or anything. And so as There's a result, no like official, there is no ministry of truth of Ethereum. Right. And so yeah. like the, the Ethereum has like the Ethereum team, but the Ethereum team is like modular and like distributed in of itself. Cause every single client team represents one component of Ethereum. There is no center of Ethereum to have these comms coming from. And so mm-hmm. instead though, that, that responsibility falls on the, on the shoulders of like media people, uh, people like, uh, Tim Bako, who leads all the all core devs call. And then we report it here on Bankless. Anthony Cezano does a fantastic job. Uh, the RETH finance community is ex- uh, fantastically well-informed if you're trying to get high signal communities. But other than that, like if you don't listen to the, like those sources, like that's about it. And yeah. So- do you know how like the White House has a press secretary? Mm-hmm. There uh, is yeah. no, no press secretary mm-hmm. for Ethereum whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Not at all. And then like the other way that I will also explain this is that this is just for the crypto industry at large. 
I've talked about this in other capacities. I, uh, I view the crypto world as like uh, concentric circles where at the very center, you have the core beating heart of what makes crypto tick, permissionlessness, decentralization, uh, you know, blockchain networks that imbue all the properties of crypto. And then you have you know Bitcoin and Ethereum, and that's really at the core center. Uh, and then you have like all the people that surround them, those core values. Like I would put us there, Ryan, like again, Anthony Cezano, people that really care about these values. And then there was like one more concentric circle out that are like, okay, there's something here. There's something really valuable here. Let me add my flavor to it and make a lot of money from it. And those are like, I would call that the, the Terra Luna ecosystem, which is like, yeah, crypto algo stable coins. It's kind of a Ponzi at the end of the day, but like, it's not true about decentralization. It's not really about the core ethos of, of crypto. And those people surround like the inner circle and those people make a bunch of noise because they want to suck up attention and put their attention on their thing because they're here to make a bunch of money. Uh, and so like, there's this like, cr like crust of like grifters around like the core beating heart of crypto that is like taking the value out of crypto and like redirecting people away from the center to go to like the grifter side of, of the crypto community. And then they like, you know, get it, they just make a lot of money over there. Uh, and that is my explanation. Yeah, I think that's a good explanation. I think high level, that's, that's probably what I would say to you. You know, the only thing I'd add is like, it probably depends on what specific piece of incomplete or misinformation you're talking about. Right. And you could probably take that piece of information and put it in one of the camps, like one of the categories. So for instance, one thing that's often said is like, the merch will reduce gas fees. Like, right. no, it won't. Technically, 10%, actually. It's a 10% scale increase. I mean, increase. that's not what yes. people mean. They yes. <laughs> Maybe that's where it comes from. I just did it. <laughs> so, right? And they'll be like, well, and so, you know, where does that come from? Uh, it's probably just some wish, wishful thinking, some people just not understanding. There being no official communicate, like it's probably that. Right. You know, it might piece, also be like post merge. We get it, it, people think it's Ethereum 2.0, and previously Ethereum 2.0 used to have sharding, and that would have yeah. reduced gas fees. So there, there's miscommunication there. Exactly, exactly. And then like the, the incomplete thing. Oh, why can't we just get a date on the merge? Right. Why not? And I think that's that's nothing malicious. It's not like a community like fudding. That's, that's just like, it's, we're coming to consensus on what the data actually is. Mm -hmm. And we don't know, and there's no spokesperson for Ethereum, but then you get something else like, uh, the merge will never happen. Right. Right. Or like, uh, right. you know, we'll always remain proof of stake. Right. And like some of these things are proof of work. Some of these things are more malicious, right? It's like just completely uninformed and verging on like Ethereum will never ship. Right. Uh, nothing ever right. happens. Um, you know, Vitalik mans all the, like the, uh, the master nodes, this sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And so it's this confluence of reasons and you almost have to go through the, the specific piece of misinformation and throw it in one of these buckets. But, um, some total, I think you're, I think you're right. Yeah. And this is why I, I call the crypto world, like navigating the crypto world is navigating the dark forest, right? Like yeah. you can't trust every bit of information that comes to you. You need to learn how to do your own research and verify for yourself, which is yes. a fantastic skill to have. There is no like nine year schooling for crypto. You got to figure it out. And that's why like crypto, the crypto culture is so strong, Ryan, because like, that's what separates us from society. Like the crypto, the crypto Twitter, the crypto culture, the crypto communities that all like we can speak crypto. We know the words. We know the terminology. We've made it through the other side of the dark forest. Right. And so we have that shared story of like, yes, we all went through the gamut. We all yeah. went through the dark forest. We figured out how to reason about it. We know we know what's right and what's wrong and communities that agree with what's right, like gang up together. Uh, and 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 so that's also what, why we're so different from society. Right. Like we have this big handshake with each other. It's like we all made it through the dark forest of learning how to navigate crypto. I think that's true. I will say though, that's just for me, that's just for crypto, right? So like like another example is I, 
I start to like doubt all of the other news sources that I get because I'm like not experts in all of these various other things. I see the headline like, oh, okay, I guess this is what's happening. But um, like it's my dad was asking me, I'd spent some time with him uh, last week in Florida. He's like, okay, so the Coinbase wasn't going bankrupt. What was that thing? I saw it on all my news. And I'm like, no, dad, like like, they're they're not going bankrupt. Like we pay close attention to this. These are all the reasons why this is why it was misreported. And it just calls into question all of the other headlines that I'm not an expert in with all of these various eras, whether it's you know, science or technology. It's like, what kind of stuff are we actually being fed? Like the one thing I'm knowledge about, knowledgeable about, and we can see how it's completely farcical, nonsensical misinformation. But like how many other things do I just take at right. surface? Like right. it's, man, information is, is a very difficult thing. Uh, and good, good information is a very difficult thing to like parse through and, and figure out in this day and age. Yeah, and I really actually love this discussion. Uh, the, crypto gives you an insane vantage point to view the whole rest of the world. Like we understand global relations. We under because of just how our blockchains uh, span all borders. We understand e- economics because our blocks are our prices respond to global economic forces. So we have to understand that. But also we have internal economics into the blockchain network. We got to understand computer science. You have to understand like sociology and like tribalism. And once you make it through the dark forest, I feel like post learning about crypto and getting to the other side and being informed about crypto, I feel like I know at least a little bit of almost anything about the world. Oh, dude, this is 21st century life skills. I 100% guarantee this is university. This is like way better than, Mm -hmm. I mean, don't drop it at school, kids. Like yeah. get your degree, but like also no, totally do, it, totally do it, totally do it, totally do it. Get a job in crypto. Yeah, get a job in crypto. Right, right that was only the first question. The second question. <laughs> the second what question. Is what are three things slash ideas that Ryan and David strongly disagree or clash on? Um, Ooh, three things is a lot. Um, there was one time where Ryan and I got into a debate about <laughs> how gas fees are are come to be. Like, how does the value of a gas fee come to be? Like, where does that? Um, like not not how it's calculated, but just like what is the price of a gas fee, and does it depend on what was that debate actually? It was like, yeah, ga- yeah. it was it was a debate. So uh, I think you were saying you were saying basically that ETH price and gas fees are kind of one in the same market, yes, like very very right. close. And I was saying yes. they're not the same market; they're separate markets. They're right. correlated at some stages, but they are completely separate. Right. Like block space demand. Yes. It was a really geeky conversation and kind mm-hmm. of a debate. I feel like we realized at the end of that thing that we should have been recording it because right. a lot of people have this question. Right. And like, I'm almost tempted to rehash it because <laughs> I've come to the conclusion, David, that I'm still right about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so ju- we'll just to drill it down, like, podcast. I-, I was saying that the e- when ETH price goes up 10 times, gas, prices will also go up 10 times. Like yes. if you if you hold gas the same, like 10 guay at $100 versus 10 guay at $1,000, gas fees goes up by a roughly a factor of 10x. Yes, these markets are correlated. Ones float off of each other, but like when everyone who's holding ETH is the person paying the gas fee, like uh, uh, the, I, I would love to hear like a, somebody make a tweet thread about this to answer this question in more depth. Actually, if someone, if you guys would like to hear David and I debate this, if David yeah. still feels very strongly about that, maybe we'll record a one-off podcast. And, uh, <laughs> the funny thing is, it's like, it's such, it's of all things to debate about, it's the one that just like does not matter. <laughs> is there anything, I, I'm trying to think of anything else like major. Um, we have different stylistic choices on the podcast. 
Yeah, uh, for sure. So, so there, there's that. But like that also like works out. Where like it's a tug, it's yin and yang. Yeah, there's, it's a tug of war. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know I use like gas and brakes, right? right like right, right. little brakes. Sometimes you're more gas, and you're like, we should buy right. with everything right. at this moment. And I'm just like, well, are you sure? <laughs> are, are you sure about that? And the beauty is sometimes you're right, and sometimes I'm right, right and uh-huh. like on balance, we're more. We're often more correct. Yeah. And either way, we have fun along the way. But I wouldn't say that strongly disagree on. I think it's the gas thing that we only really strongly disagree on. <laughs> the lost podcast will right. probably never happen. Uh, David, let's get to some takes, man. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is a really hot take. I like mm-hmm. this. Could you read it out for us? Yeah. Yuga Labs is valued at a higher valuation than what Disney paid for for the entire Star Wars IP. Uh, that's a lot of growth uh, embedded into mm. the board ape ecosystem. When you uh, put it that way, <laughs> it's, it's, does that mean that anyone who is like holding an ape and holding ape coin and uh, all of that stuff are is like saying that at some point in time the board apes IP will become equivalent to Star Wars? I think that's what you mean. I don't know. I just feel like asking. That's like, Green. I like look. I'm bullish on ETH, but I am not bullish as much as the board ape ecosystem is on the board ape ecosystem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with that. Well, we'll see what happens. Look, the the test of an ecosystem or any community is can you survive a bear market. Mm-hmm. So this is where this is the fiery crucible, right? right. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's happening now. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a great take from yes. Eric Connor. I'm glad he's back on Twitter. Uh, I'll read this out and maybe comment. So much negativity towards DeFi lately. God, I've noticed that too. Many people are questioning what benefits it actually offers. Annoyed to see it, honestly. Permissionless access to financial tools for anyone in the world is powerful enough to have extreme meaning and staying power. I think the take here is that the Overton window is shifting as in like, yeah, people have gotten used to permissionlessness and, and DeFi financial tools. And now we're like, we want more, give us more things. And now, and that's just the new norm. And so like the people who are like having negativity towards DeFi, like, oh, it's just like borrowing and lending in Aave. Oh, it's just like trading on Uniswap. Like, reminder, those are big deals. <laughs> like, it's that's, huge. Yeah, that's it's a huge so thing. big. We didn't have that three years ago, guys. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. this is amazing. I, I, um. I think it's one of those cases where um, narrative follows price. Mm-hmm. And so like DeFi prices are in the dump. So everyone's like, huh, DeFi was never cool. Right. It was never right. a thing. Who cares? Right. It's not world changing at all. No, no, no. This mm. tech, yeah. like decentral bankless money, a bankless financial system. This is like the biggest inter- innovation since the original internet. Like mm. it, this is absolutely massive. It's going to change how human beings coordinate across the world for like generations to come this is an absolutely huge deal and so it's another example of remember the people we said earlier were saying like yeah uniswap will never work smart contracts will never be a thing DeFi will never be a thing (laughs) okay cool (laughs) no you hit it hit it oh uh, that's actually not the one i was going for (laughs) well that's the one i feel like like that's how it falls for me when i when i hear them say this and it's just like man uh, narratives are so so overplayed and so boring um yeah. I'm I'm glad we're I'm glad we're back on the contrarian side of things right. though, David. It feels good. It feels like home. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> that is where I feel very comfy. It's bear market contrarian vibes. All right. Okay. Dan Elitzer says, uh, Dan Elitzer is the guy that wrote um, uh, like this thing that kind of like 
called the DeFi bull market before it happened to the superphonic, um, super, super fluid collateral, uh, super, no, super fluid collateral, which is relevant, but also hydrophonic yield farming. He basically called <laughs> yes. yield farming before it happened. True. And then he also called super fluid collateral before it happened. So like when Dan Elser says something, I listen, that guy is like, he only gets loud on things he has high conviction on. Uh, and, uh, and that's it always, he's always been right. This is actually completely irrelevant from this, but, uh, he didn't make a, an article. He didn't write an article this time around, but he made a tweet, which I thought was really interesting. And he goes, Unichain is inevitable. There are three costs to DEX traders. The swap fees, that's like the 0.3% that you pay to the Uniswap uh, liquidity providers. There's also the transaction fee in gas. And then you also pay MEV. So if you get like sandwiched or if you uh, get front run by, by, by validators who are doing MEV, then you pay them a fee as well, basically. Uh, and so today, uni, he, uh, Dan Elser continues saying, today, uni holders can only flip the switch to take part in number one. So only one of the three revenue sources and also probably the smallest one. Uh, and he finishes with two and three uh, being transaction fees and MEV payments are more attractive long-term and better align the chain. And so this is why he says Unichain is inevitable because if Uniswap puts Uniswap on a Uni chain, it gets access to one, two, and three. And so Uni token can be like the, the currency of Uniswap. W would this be like a layer two or something like this? This would be like a layer two, yeah, an application-specific okay. layer two. It would Think of like, I don't know, if you, uh, Uniswap went on to a application specific ZK rollup, it would be like the uh, the APIs of the layer two liquidity for Uniswap, right? And so you could like ping right, go right into it. Uh, and that, and then Uniswap would get the trading fees and then the MEV on all that ecosystem. It's basically like the Uniswap universe on layer two. Uh, and I bet you actually, that now that I'm thinking about this, Uniswap does produce like the first meaningful ZK application specific ZK rollup that is engaged with other rollups on layer two. Uh, Mike Madaris, from from a uh, Rainbow Wallet goes, wouldn't would that mean either accepting death or of composability, or that Unichain will become competitive and hostile to Ethereum? And Hayden says that sort of assumes that cross-chain composability won't ever exist. Uh, is that a tweet from Hayden Adams, Ryan? Because it's a tweet, or is it because he knows what he's talking about, and this is a something that they are actively discussing inside of Uniswap? TBD. I don't know. I don't I know. Wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised. It does seem like that would be a huge barrier to basically like, um, I guess you're not entirely leaving the Ethereum economy, but right. you're, you're leaving all of, and I don't know that this would mean leaving. Mm -hmm. I guess you could launch a chain that's kind of a layer two in addition to everything that you're doing on Ethereum main chain and other layer twos. Well, the, this thing about Uniswap like going into it and becoming its own chain fits in the roll-up centric roadmap of Ethereum model where like applications can become chains. Uh, that is like a new thought that actually I'm just having right now in this roll-up. Uh, I guess so. It just, here, here's where it kind of breaks my mental model, right? It's sort of like, um, like, like a company gets big enough, like a Facebook gets big enough, and then they're like, well, we should just become our own nation, right? right? And like, we'll create our own money, and then like, that'll give us maximally, maximal control and all of these things. And what they, what they sort of forget is like, okay, but people don't wanna live in the Facebook nation because they don't have good representation, because it's owned by like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, stakeholders and that sort of thing. So it kind of breaks, breaks my brain a little bit. I guess this is like Uniswap saying, this would be like them saying, "Hey, we want to be a uh, a state in the union of the like." I don't. I, that's not, actually not how I see it. And that's right. not how I see it. How okay, see it? so I see it as 
optimistic rollups becoming that optimistic as like uh, generalized rollups optimistic rollups are like flat land there's a lot of real estate there they have their own internal gas fee markets uh, they have their space to build your thing because it's generalized with an application specific zk rollup it doesn't operate like land like i don't i think you wouldn't leave your assets there it's more like i don't know like a where the Optimistic rollers rollups are like wide and flat, and they have like real estate for you to settle on. Uh, mm. Application specific ZK rollups are very like long and tall, and they're something that you ping and then you send something back. What that's, do you mean application a, specific ZK? You're just talking about like DYDX or something like this. Yes, like one single ZK rollup that does one thing, and in the Unichain world, it is Uniswap. So it's Uniswap as a uh, ZK I get rollup. It. Well, I guess we're kind of repeating this this uh yes. conversation that they yes. just had because then i want to be like but wouldn't that mean they lose composability from all the other apps but not then, not from layer twos yeah and right. then hayden and then hayden goes well that assumes cross-chain composability won't exist right roll-up centric so roadmap of ethereum yeah possible we just yeah. we just speed ran that whole entire thing <laughs> <laughs> these guys already thought about that i guess that's why they're the DeFi. Uh, it's why it's a why it's a take in the roll-up <laughs> Let's do this one, man. This is pretty cool. This is a graphic that I really liked. Yeah, 13 years. The tweet says 13 years of W3B. What does that mean? I don't know what that means. <laughs> uh, Web3? Uh, Web3? Yeah, yes, Web3. Web3 Web and NFT converted into a 24-hour clock. Uh, so, the, so for the listeners, we're just looking at a clock where 12 o'clock is the birth of Bitcoin. Uh, and then like right to the left of it, as in where we currently are, like 11.59 is like the launch of Coinbase NFT platform. Uh, and it kind of just like takes you through the history and lets you put things into uh, relationship with each other in time. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Uh, I like that visualization. Yeah, so like, so, like, so like midnight is the birth of Bitcoin. Yeah. All right. And the very first non-fungible token that we ever got was Bitcoin.bit. Okay. This is even pre-Ethereum. Mm. And that happened at 4 a.m. in the morning that mm. day. All right. And the very first ERC721 that we got didn't happen until 16 o'clock. What is that? That's uh, uh, 16, 16 o'clock. It's 16 o'clock. <laughs> How do I read military <laughs> time? 1600 uh, 4 hours. That's 4 p.m. 4 p.m. That was the first ERC 721. All right. So like 4 p.m. Mm. That's like and now uh, basically six minutes from midnight. That's sort of when Coinbase just launched their NFT platform. It's kind of a cool depiction of yeah. the eras and right. how early things were before and still how early things are now. They kind of they don't have any L1s. Where like why don't they have the genesis of Ethereum? Where is that? That is that's got to be like somewhere in like 9 9 a.m. Yeah, we should make our own. Bankless DAO. Uh, $500 in bank to anyone who makes this and updates that. I'll commit to that. Uh, somebody in the Bankless DAO do that and then ping me when you when you guys and I'll send you some bank token. Amazing. All right, David, what are you bullish on, man? Besides this clock here. <laughs> Uh, I'm I'm bullish on this uh, new podcast, uh, not from Bankless actually. It's called Alpha Alpha, and it's for my San friends that I've made in San Diego. Uh, and so they have been grinding away at their Alpha Alpha podcast, and I've been listening to it. It's been getting better and better. The takes are becoming hotter and hotter. They're into like twenty something late twenty episodes, and so uh, I said, uh, "Yo, guys, come over and we'll record a podcast in my apartment." Uh, and I finally got to use my soundboard thing that I really really like. Uh, 
and, and so we recorded an Alpha Alpha Bankless podcast, which is going to come onto the YouTube sometime soon. Uh, and it's, it's a, it's a all in style podcast. Uh, and so, uh, they are very, uh, very much bankless listeners, but they're also bankless skeptics at the same time. Uh, they play in things that like Ryan and I generally don't, uh, they're a little bit more degen. How'd they do with Lena, Luna, David? Uh, they all escaped Luna, uh, all, except for one, all except for one, uh, okay. one, one guy got caught up, cool. caught up in Luna. Um, but, not, uh, but he's not a complete degen. So like, it's only a small portion of his backs. Uh, but also they also talk about things like real estate markets and also like kind of how like the all in podcast does uh, also like politics. And so they get this into this is starting to sound like another bankless podcast launch. Is that what this is going to turn into here? <laughs> well, that is potentially a potential future. So if you are a consumer of crypto content, which you are, you might like this podcast, but you should start with the one that we put on the bankless YouTube uh, in about a week or so TBD on that. Just stay tuned. I'm really excited about it. I'm really bullish on it. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, Ryan, what are you bullish on? So actually, yeah. We, uh, we, we forgot, I'm going to, I'm going to steal Vance Spencer's take as the thing I'm bullish on and, uh, add my own thing because we forgot to cover this in the take section. Uh, this is a tweet from Vance Spencer and I think it echoes my sentiments, uh, as well. And he's coming on the show, by the way. So let me, we'll talk about this. He says this crypto is exactly where it needs to be right now. Very much not dead, very much alive, washing out the excesses, very much building things people want to use coiled spring on a path to hyper growth. I think that's why if you're a unicycler and you've heard David and I in the last few roll-ups, we've been like very clearly in a B market, right? Mm-hmm. A bear market, a build market, whatever, how we're so excited. I'm, I'm we're so, so excited giddy. right now. <laughs> because like the last B market that we were in, it felt like things could actually fall apart. Like it felt like DeFi might not actually ever work. Ethereum, the project might not ever scale. We would never find product market fit. And the whole Bitcoin experiment was maybe, or the whole Ethereum, the whole crypto experiment was maybe Bitcoin mm-hmm. if we're lucky, and that would take years to recover. All right, this is a very different feeling entering yes. this bear market, and I couldn't say it better than Vance Spencer just says it right here: "Coiled spring on a path to hyper growth. We are washing out the excesses. We are building things people want to use. The hardest part of the whole thing, the whole thing in a new product." in anything, the birth of the internet, the birth of Google, the birth of any of these transformational Uber is product market fit. Once you have product market fit, there's gonna be cycles. Now it's just a matter of scaling. We have product market fit, now we're just scaling. So I've never entered a bear market with more confidence. And uh, you know what that leads me to is the thing I am bullish on is I feel like this is the last time this is gonna happen. All right, ether in the 1000 range, right? Mm -hmm. Ether, look, I'm going to say it, Dave. I know David disagrees on this. Ether could dip into triple digit territory once again. We could go below 1,000. I'm not saying it will. I'm not saying that'll happen, okay? I'm saying if it does happen, back the truck up, right. all right? Not financial advice, all right? Some other kind of advice for you. Maybe life <laughs> advice for you. I don't know. I'm just saying this is the last opportunity that we'll ever have. Mm-hmm. It's this bear market. And I'm thankful, honestly, I'm thankful that a whole bunch of listeners who got in the first cycle of the last two years, a whole bunch of people who got into crypto, now they can they can prove their mettle and they'll have an opportunity that previous generations have had, right? It feels more fair that way. I'm glad we didn't just zoom all the way up to 10K and then pass that and like, see you later, everybody else. Right. You have another opportunity here. And this means be responsible, dollar cost mm-hmm. average in, 
that's what you want like buy good assets but think of this as the last great generational opportunity buying opportunity because that's what it that's what it is mm -hmm. I rem uh, and this is why i've been saying this is the greatest bear market of all time so much is going to get built people are going to get jobs in crypto people are going to get paid uh and people are going to buy cheap eth in ways that they never had uh, that availability before uh i remember after my first bear market and in, in, or going into my first bear market in 2018 it was like oh okay this is that was a cycle where it's not the future uh i'm wrecked now uh and i and and so i had like I'm not going to put out numbers, but I had an amount of ETH that I had. And I was like, by the time the next bull market comes around, I'm going to have 10 times the amount. And that was like a lot of money for me at the time. Uh, and I made, uh, that was actually uh, cutting it short. I made more than 10 times the target that I had going through the bear market. And so think, think bigger dreams going into the, the bear market. Think about what you want to get done uh, and, and just grind for that and work hard. Because when you grind in the, in the bear market, you turn into flowers, you, you grow flowers in the bull market. Uh, and so uh, this is why we're so excited. Like this is uh, such an awesome time to be in the crypto space when so much gets built and there's such little noise. One of the reasons why bull markets always end is because it becomes a meme, right? It, it turns into a self-reflexive loop as in like, oh, there's these things that people are just throwing money into and they're, and they're doing that because other people are throwing money into them. Therefore, I will produce this thing that they will throw money into. And the more that that like self-reflects on itself and like turns into a, like a, a loop over and over again, like how can I make the thing that people put the most money in the fastest? That is literally the opposite of long-term time horizons. And so now that that is fully dead, uh, we have products that are going to be built for things that people's like, oh, maybe in five, like I'm going to build a thing that people are going to put money into, hold it there for five to 10 years and keep it there. And that is called Ryan fundamentals. Uh, and that is why this is a build market. Absolutely. David and I are bullish mm -hmm. on the bear market. That's, uh, that's the end of things. You were talking about memes, David. Here's the meme of the week here. Oh, you God. and I just <laughs> popped out. Dude, I think the Bankless uh, Bankless HQ Twitter uh, posted captioned this. I saw some great captions. I saw some embarrassing ones. But what are we looking at here? Uh, it's us doing, I think, the weekly roll-up. Um, uh, or it was recording the intro to Vlad uh, with Robin Hood. And you're talking into the camera, and I'm just looking at you. And for some reason, I'm biting my lift, dude, and I don't know why. <laughs> and the, cap oh, wow. the caption this is you. Makes me feel uncomfortable. Yeah, the caption is that you are ETH, and I am Layer 2. Uh, there you go. <laughs> Yeah, I, I see it. And I hope this becomes a meme of the ages. Guys, uh, this has been the weekly roll-up. It's fun to do one in person. We are mm -hmm. back to our regular schedule mm -hmm. where we are a coast away. Mm -hmm. You're going to be on the East Coast next time, David. Uh, no, I'm going to be in Seattle for a little bit because, again, oh, my, my, okay. st my stuff Never has mind. to get there. Uh, I have so no idea where I'm, David I'm gonna, is. I'm, I'm going to be floating <laughs> around in the in. world for the next like two weeks. I do know, though, none of this, of course, has been financial advice. Risks and disclaimers. Bitcoin, ETH is risky. It's very volatile. You could lose what you put in. But we're headed west. This is the frontier. It's not for everyone, but we're glad you're with us on the bankless journey. Thanks a lot.